Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Life of Riley. Man, has it been a minute since we've chatted. It has been quite a busy last few weeks for me, and I'm sure for all of you as well. I will do an episode updating you guys a little bit on what's been going on in my life because there have been some changes. But without further ado, let's get into today's episode, WTF, What the Furlough, okay? So I have been furloughed... Um, by Disney. I work for Disney, worked for Disney. And um, yeah, big changes, big changes, guys. I have been furloughed for the past few months and I sat down with my wonderful cousin, Vinny. Um, You may call him Vincent, Vinny, Vin, whatever you please. Um, But I sat down with him. He is partially furloughed from his job at the Mayo Clinic and I am fully furloughed. So we just had a conversation about what that means, what that looks like, and how it's going to affect us going forward. So if you too are furloughed or you're interested in what it's like to be furloughed, stay tuned for this conversation. Please don't forget to leave a comment, a rating, or a review wherever you choose to listen, Apple podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. Wow, it's been a minute since I've said all those. I almost forgot. Um, But I appreciate you guys so much. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy this episode of The Life of Riley. Hi, Vin. Hey, Riley. How's it going? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing good. No complaints. Okay, Vin. So tell, tell everybody... We're going to talk about a an, an really exciting topic today, and it's very topical given what's going on in the world right now. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about furlough. Now, I have been furloughed for the past, I think, month and a half at this point. Okay. So, you know, that's that's cute. I totally expected it at Disney. Like, I was very on board with it from the beginning. I knew it was going to happen, and so, you know that was like pretty easy for me to deal with but give us give us your give us your background what where were you working and what happened cool so i mean to connect the dots even further that, that's what connects us today we've both been furloughed to a certain degree so i work at the mayo clinic most people probably have experienced that through the website um they have like a symptom checker and um you yep. can learn about a disease or a headache or what these things something might be um but it's a Pretty well-known hospital. Um, I am located in Rochester, Minnesota, which is like an hour's drive south of Minneapolis slash St. Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, and I moved out here the end of September from New York City, where I had gone to school and started my career. Um, so it's so I, cool. You just have like a really cool life. I love that. Can you tell? Can you tell the people what a partial what partial furlough is or what that means? Yeah, so Mayo announced in beginning part of April, I think, that they would likely need to furlough employees uh, at the beginning of May. So um, some people are fully furloughed, which is kind of the situation that you find yourself in. You have been said, we love you, but we can't pay you right now. And we need you to not come to campus, not come to work um, for a certain duration of time frame. There is a realization that some parts of our organization can't fully shut off. We're mm-hmm. a hospital, we provide healthcare. Yeah. Um, we can't just turn off the lights and go home. So right. not that I am anywhere near a medical professional or delivering care, <laughs> but there are certain parts of our organizational leadership that still need to be advanced. There's still priorities and initiatives that the organization cares about. So 
some people uh, were furloughed. The numbers are, it's usually given in terms of percentages. So I was furloughed 50%. It means mm-hmm. that I'm working about half the amount that I normally would um, over these next four months. So organizations do it quite differently. Um, you could do a certain hours of the day and just continue that throughout the, the furlough months. But I work mm-hmm. one week and then I don't work a week. I work one week and then I don't work one week. So that's what I mean when I talk about partial furlough. The rules are the same for if I were fully furloughed, um, but I just get to work a little bit uh, more frequently than some of the other people at Mayo do. So what I think is really interesting about that, or at least from an outsider's perspective, is Mm -hmm. like I feel like that would be a little bit tricky to be in and out of work mode. Like, at least for me, I'm just, I'm out of it. I'm not doing, I don't have to then like, you know, log on and like get back into it. Do you find that it's like difficult or are you looking forward to like that, that week? It was definitely the thing I was concerned about when I found out that I was going to be like 50% being partially on, partially off. Mm -hmm. I think like you, I enjoy a routine to a certain degree. So like Mm -hmm. the idea of getting up in the morning, going to work coming home, doing my own thing, working out, like that whole shindig right. isn't, is it, is where I probably am the best human. Um, so the idea of going from, all right, 7.30 to 4.30, game time, it's work, let's go. And then the next week being, all right, Vincent, roll out of bed at nine o'clock if you want. Yeah. Do what you want. That's kind of tricky. So it's definitely been something that I've tried to learn about myself in terms of like, mm-hmm. all right, how do I mentally like get geared up for a work week ahead and how do I wind down at the end of a work week to be prepared for the next one. So right, it's, yeah. it's a challenge. I'm only in the, this is only my third week of like of the month of May, I think. So mm-hmm. um, I'm still very much at the beginning of it all and figuring it out. Well, I agree with you. Like having a routine is really important and that's, that's kind of how I do do my best as well. I'm trying to maintain a routine. I don't, I mean, I'm still in school for the next like two weeks. So that Mm -hmm. has really helped. Like I have something to do with my day and I still try and like get up early and I don't know, like walk or something. I don't know what to do. I I was going to say like, what's the one thing that's been added to your day that might not have been there beforehand? That's good, bad. I do like, I work out more than I, than I have consistently, I guess. Like I, I enjoy running I or you know just because I like to be outside because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm indoors and you know what's different is like when I was at my parents I was doing stuff all the time like we had house projects we were like redecorating mm-hmm. we were mm-hmm. you know going swimming like there was so much to do and now that I'm back in Southern California and I'm by myself that's a lot harder to like I'm kind of grasping at straws to fill my time like I clean a lot I like call my friends all the time Mm -hmm. they're probably Mm -hmm. so annoyed with me but yeah I do feel like I've been able to keep a more steady workout routine so that's definitely been good what about you are you doing something new I think the workout stuff is probably where I've tried to focus the most like you I um Mayo has like an employee gym and that got shut down alongside everything else and probably Mm -hmm. something you realized too or I'm not sure if you have a gym membership or you just kind of did your own thing running around outside of an ecosystem like that but like the fact that my gym is closed at the apartment complex that I love at the gym here is shut down for safety reasons, which all makes sense. But it's like, right. it was hard enough for me to be motivated to do all that stuff. And now I need to like figure out a new way to stay 
somewhat in shape was a challenge. Yeah. So the time has allowed me to do that. So when you were told that you were going to be partially furloughed, was that mm-hmm. surprising to you? I think similar to your comment, I kind of saw the writing on the wall. Um, yeah. The biggest thing in our industry is that for patient safety, for people walking in and out of a hospital, for employees, like they reduced what we did a significant amount. So like people might have heard that their governors or the federal government was limiting um, elective procedures. So like mm-hmm. getting your knee replaced, going for gallbladder right. surgery, sure. having certain tests and scans done. Um, a so lot I of that got a facelift during this time is what you're saying. I can't go. I can't go like opt for some cosmetic. <laughs> yeah. I don't <laughs> think it. your local plastic surgeon is humming and buzzing right now. Um, it, although I'm it. sure there are some that, that are, but right. by and large things had to get slowed quite significantly. And because of that, the money that comes into a hospital or a health system does as well. So when we knew that the next six to eight weeks, we were going to have made up numbers here, 50 to 60% of our, of the organization's income turned off. Mm-hmm. There was no way that people on my side, the administration side, we, I sit in a team that helps make some strategic decisions for the organization. Yeah. Um, there's no way that we are going to be a hundred percent. Well, doctors need to be the ones that are more fully staffed. So right. wasn't surprised. I think the reality that sets in is like, Oh, like this is what it's going to mean for me for these next four months of summer, I'm going to be living a very different lifestyle. I think I had a relatively realistic view of it. It took me a while to be like, all right, this is what it means. This is how I'm going to kind of attempt to make the best of it and right. move forward. What was, uh, it sounded like you kind of knew things were coming from Disney. You, you were expecting the parks to close or? Yeah, I, we had, we had been told um, like before the parks closed, you know, that the Shanghai, Hong Kong, Oh, that's right. Um, they had closed already. So it wasn't out of the question. And we were kind of warned by our management team, like, we may follow the same procedures. Mm-hmm. And I was also warned, being that my job is in in entertainment, that I would be like the lowest, the least likely to come back and the most likely to be furloughed just because um, we're like in such close proximity with guests all the time that even mm. when this thing you know clears up I don't really even know the terminology for it like when this when things go back to normal um we're still not going to be operating in the same way that we were so I was I was fully aware of it and I think um when it actually happened Disney did a really great job I think of they handled it very well um Mm. we continued to get paid for a month and then we were furloughed but we were warned like a long time before we were going to be furloughed so I had a lot of time to prepare for that and um I like get my finances in order, you know, cause like it makes a, di- like, actually, I-, I think it probably is a very different situation for you um, than it was mm. for me. But, you know, I had to just put, put together some things to make sure that I was going to be able to, I had just signed a lease. I had literally signed a brand new lease in February and yeah. then the parks closed about two weeks later. So that, so, that was great timing on your part. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. really feel good about that decision. <laughs> And I'm locked in, baby, and we're paying the rent full freight. Here we go. Well, I mean, at least that's good that you guys got a little bit of a heads up. Um, Mayo did something slightly different. They, mm-hmm. when all these elective procedures got paused, they said that they were going to start considering all of the financial steps they could take to ensure the ongoing viability or of, of the organization. They 
guaranteed pay through the end of March mm-hmm. uh, or th- through the end of April rather. Um, okay. And so in, I think it was April 20th, 21st, most people at the organization found out if they were going to get furloughed beginning in May. Right. What was that conversation like? Like, did, did someone call you or did you like do it over email? Like, how did you find out? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've seen some of the horror stories of not, this is slightly different from furlough, but like layoffs being done via email or like a recorded video. Like yeah, my direct managers were the ones that had a phone call with us, um, with each of our teammates for 15 to 20 minutes just saying, here's your unique situation. Mm-hmm. Here's what that means. Here's the resources or where you can go and find out more resources. Um, yeah. So we knew like there was a calendar invite that was sent on like a Friday for Monday after the following Monday afternoon. Um, Mm -hmm. And we knew that that conversation was happening then. Well, first of all, the Mayo Clinic, from a totally like outsider's perspective, Mm -hmm. this like buzzword of essential business or whatever, to me, it feels like that would be almost like an untouchable during this time. Like I was really surprised when you had told me that you were going to be partially furloughed. And I just Mm want to, I just want to ask like, did you think working for Mayo Clinic, like, I had this kind of security with Disney. Like I always thought like, oh, I'm always going to have like Disney will never not be functioning. Like it will just always be there. (laughs) Like, did you have a sense that that you were like coming in hot with this like great, you know, I mean, and it is it is a great it is a great job and it will be and it continues to be when it goes back to normal and everything. But um, were you surprised that like the Mayo Clinic in general was having to make these sorts of changes? Yeah, I think I thought that broadly about the industry. I thought healthcare is kind of this recession-proof place that as long as you were your personal development and had a decent work relationship, like there wasn't a reason for somebody to be terminated out of left field or furloughed immediately. After having spent those first six to seven months, I knew that our organization operated a little bit differently. Like we see patients all over the country. And so people aren't, don't feel safe enough to fly or to take Mm -hmm. a train or to drive Mm -hmm. for two days and stay in a hotel overnight someplace, then there's, we're just going to see far fewer people. Um, So there were a lot of like market things that made it readily apparent that we were not going to be special. And I don't have a huge like healthcare background, but I think most people wouldn't have expected hospitals to be as hit as significantly as they have been in the midst of a global public health crisis like this. Right. but the reality of keeping everybody safe um, kind of requires that a lot of research functions, a lot of administration functions kind of get slowed. So I think I thought the industry is was sound and a safe place to go. Obviously, it's a well-known organization, so that didn't hurt. But yeah. I don't know that I thought that we wouldn't be affected in some way. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's a similar situation for Disney. Like you guys are meant to entertain and be in very close confines and quarters with a lot of people on a given day. Right. Um, And Disney isn't going anywhere, but like, how does it change? How does it evolve? What's Mm -hmm. new? That -hmm. all gives you some concern about where a particular position might be kept or not kept in the near future. Yeah. I think something that's, I mean, and I, I'm learning more and more about businesses, I guess, in general. That's actually been something that's come out of this that I feel really good about is like I'm more um, I'm more in touch with 
like the way that businesses run and maybe even some of the reasons behind a furlough and we can we should talk about that but I feel like with Disney um I was listening to a couple weeks ago they had like their quarterly earnings call and I was I got on it just to listen I've never been interested in that ever (laughs) and I'm like I should probably know what's going on with the company and what I found to be so fascinating but I guess it makes sense is like Companies don't have reserves for this sort of a thing. Like they're not like Disney doesn't have um I guess I don't know. I thought they'd have like a savings, like an emergency fund. <laughs> I don't really know. I like figured like I have that. I have that in my personal finance. And I was just surprised that, you know, I guess there's a lot of like backstops in place to help companies during recession, but like Disney in particular because the income stopped coming in, they stopped having, like, they didn't have the money to be paying people out, which I just thought was kind of surprising. Like, I just kind of thought that businesses had more reserves than that. Yeah, I think it's testing a lot of assumptions and kind of trust that people have in institutions and corporations and yeah, that's their, and their bosses, like, there's a lot of rugged individualism pushed upon you and I as individuals, like have a savings account, like make sure that you're not like spending too much credit card, spending too much on your credit card. Like, but the idea that, and I'm with you, like there's no business that that can like sustain a 40% income drop in two days and like be able to game plan that. Like the amount of money that somebody needs to hold on to do that is kind of ridiculous. Right. Yeah, um, it wouldn't make sense like during the good times. Yeah, but like the idea that they are some of them, some of these businesses are so unprepared for it is kind of baffling. And truthfully, it, it's another market dynamic. Like if, if a business was struggling beforehand, this is certainly putting them out of business. But there are mm-hmm. a lot of healthy businesses that likely are going to be in a very tough position through no fault of their own, just because they weren't strong enough, they weren't big enough. Um, I think the big tech companies, the big corporate companies are going to be fine and they might actually pick up market share. They might get more customers like throughout all this, but like it's the small business, it's the medium sized business. It's the business that wasn't doing well for obvious reasons beforehand that are going to be stuck in the middle of all of it. I'm glad you're diving into corporate America of the uh, Disney earnings, right? Yeah. I always, I mean, it's fascinating and it's, it's fascinating to hear like, uh, and actually I had, uh, in in school last quarter I had to take a business class mm-hmm. <laughs> awful and I had to do a Careful. big report I went to college in uh, like an undergraduate business school so oh yeah you did. oh yeah 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 sorry 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 but you can it talk, was so you, fun we can be honest here right that's okay so wait you had to write a paper about business I, yeah I had to I had to basically do like um a financial analysis of the Walt Disney Company and I literally, it was so funny. I turned in the paper and then the next week, it, the paper was already out of date because like the CEO had switched <laughs> and like things were like going to hell in a handbasket. And my professor emailed me and we were going back and forth about it. I had already finished the class, but it was so interesting because I knew that like the vast majority of, um, vast is probably not the word, but the, the definitely the majority of like Disney's revenue came from the parks. So I knew mm-hmm. that it was like, going to be a problem that the parks were shut down. I knew that um like I knew the different income 
streams that were sure. contributing to the company, but getting on the earnings call and actually hearing about like Disney plus, like that's doing really well now mm-hmm. because people are at home and, um, you know, like certain things, obviously it's not making up for the loss in revenue, but it was really interesting to hear that like people are still utilizing, I guess, parts of Disney, even though they can't come to the parks or go to the movies or whatever. And they're not totally stopping production of their movies. It was just really interesting. Like I just, I I can't imagine being in a position of leadership on a corporation during this time because it's just like, I, I feel like it would be very, very daunting and very scary. So it was very, it was really cool to hear about. Totally. Well, and that's the the last thing I'll say about that topic is like, it just shows how diversifying your income can make things a little bit easier. Like in the same way that personally, somebody having two or three jobs that pulling some money for them is valuable in a time like this. Like the idea that Disney obviously is hurting from the parks thing, but they're still making money in other ways. They're still able to still produce content and movies and, have a different yeah, platform. Sure. It's a it's definitely a different business strategy than an airline that is solely devised around the idea of flying people around the world. I want to talk about the non like financial effects of furlough, like more of like the emotional effects. Sure. I have been noticing a lot of my friends, they are not taking it well. People are taking it personally. People are feeling undervalued at their company, you know, like all these sorts of feelings of like, I mean, I'm not unemployed, I guess, because I, you know, I'm technically still employed, but I feel unemployed. Like sometimes in my days, I'm like, wow, what am I? I'm a loser. Here I am. Like, (laughs) don't, don't know what to do. So how do you like, do you have feelings of that? And if so, how are you dealing with it? And if not, like, how, how can people handle that? Big caveat is I am and this might be part of the answer is like, I am very trusting and understand the position that our organization's leadership is in. So I'm probably more apt to cut them a break, understand where they're coming from. But I also know that not every organization has that kind of relationship with their employees. And Lord knows a lot of your friends don't work in situations where they feel that same kind of community or understanding. I've probably been overly optimistic and rose colored glass lens kind of perspective around what it says about me. Um, I think most people would agree that this is a once in a lifetime, at least most people's lifetimes um, kind of event. And to your conversation earlier, like not many organizations, leaders, thought leaders, really saw it as an immediate concern. So I try to give myself a little bit of credit saying like, hey, as long as you can make the best of it, given yeah. whatever's going on, then that's all that you can really ask of yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't discount the idea that somebody is furloughed and you have a coworker that isn't furloughed or is partially furloughed and still working and like you feeling the need to compare yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say that's not valid, but at a certain yeah. point, it doesn't help you anymore. Um, so kind of soak it in, do what you need to do to get can kind of come to peace with that, mm-hmm. and then um, figure out where you can make the best of the situation. That's not new advice for anybody that's been laid off, that's 
been fired from a job that had to take a dream job they didn't like. Um, but it's at a certain point I've kind of thrown my hands up and said like, it wasn't in my control to begin with. And I just need to make the best of it in the time moving forward. Maybe like half of my friends have been furloughed or laid off, like just Mm -hmm. straight up laid off, which is really another thing that another whole like part of this that's really sad. What I'm what I'm noticing a lot, the, they're taking it like as an identity crisis. Like I have a lot of loyalty towards Disney. I, I mm-hmm. think that they're a great company. I think that they've handled this super well. And it sounds like you obviously have a lot of respect and, you know, awareness of what your company is doing during this time. Mm-hmm. But they're they're really taking it as like feeling like they don't have a direction anymore. And I think there's gonna be a lot of career changes out of this like Mm -hmm. people that are getting furloughed and laid off and they're just having to basically switch gears like you know people that worked in like gig sort of like economy Mm -hmm. jobs performers entertainers like there may be some real big now this may be dramatic but there might be like long-term lasting effects of like people's identities and people's paths that I think um I don't know. I just that's I feel like that's that's a part of this that I think that's why people are taking it so hard. They're getting so nervous that long term they might have to change what they thought they were going to do. Yeah, I think it's a it's an interesting idea just that you brought up around identity. Like I traveled a little bit when I was in college to a few different places around the world. And oftentimes because I was in a business undergraduate business school context for most of them, we would start conversations with people we met or with um, professors we were talking to these other countries and they, we would always kind of start at this place. of like, Oh, it's so like, what do you do? Like, how do you fit into like the corporate world? Or like, how does your job, like your job defined you is the first question yeah. we would ask about somebody. Right. And the idea that that's taken from you to your point can be mm-hmm. quite an adjustment for people when yeah. they've lived and breathed, Disney for decades when they've been an entertainer or a musician for the past six years and it's been the great, greatest time of their life. But now they're realizing it can't be a, it can't sustain them personally in a financial way um, given what's going on. And yeah. so I think it's having some flexibility about your identity. So instead of being a musician, you're somebody that is an entertainer or tells stories. Like you, I, I feel like you need to expand the idea of who you are to make that jump a little bit easier. Yeah. Because if you define yourself as like, in your case, Disney princess, I'm only going to be a Disney princess through and through. Right. Disney princesses in flesh and blood may not be a real thing in the near future. That's so interesting. Uh, It like, seriously, I think that that is such a great point about people. I think too, this, you know, is another thing but it's like especially in america i feel like people are so i mean we are statistically actually this may be false information but like i think like statistically like don't we like work longer hours or something than like other countries or like more days or something right don't we do that uh in certain pockets sure i feel like there's crazy examples of like people in japan or south korea that like work multiple days in a row sometimes in certain corporate functions but i right 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 but i don't disagree that there are certain like there's a certain amount of pride that people take in their job and what do you want to be when you grow up yeah not what hobby or what are you passionate about it's what's the job you're going to have for the rest of your life right um 
So, and especially I think in American culture, it's been ingrained that like hard work is going to get you somewhere. And as long as you're working hard, bidding your time, going above and beyond, it's going to be okay. But there are plenty of people that have done that for the past five years and they're still getting furloughed. They're still getting laid off. Yeah. Yeah. So like the rug's getting pulled out from under you when you've been told like, Hey, you can do this. Or as long as you do these three things, Mm -hmm. things are going to be okay. Well, not so much. So like, it's a totally different mindset that you have to kind of shift from. America is such a, um, like a meritocracy in that way. Like it's Mm -hmm. very like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and nose to the grindstone. But that's, I mean, that this whole pandemic, again, don't want to be dramatic, but it's like shifting how people think about what, think about how they can earn their place, you know? I mean, there's nothing, you can't earn it or not earn it right now. Like you said, people that are working hard and they're good employees, you just, they can't afford to keep you on in a lot Mm -hmm. of cases. And so I, I think that people are going to have to start thinking about like the value that they bring to something less about whether or not they get the job or whether or not they keep their job and just more about, you know, whatever intrinsic motivation that you have to like do well, regardless of the fact that you got furloughed or fired or laid off or whatever. So I don't think we said this. Tell the listeners what your role is at Mayo. Yeah. So I started my career um, in like the PR agency world in New York. Uh So I was doing like business intelligence, measurement, analytics, like that kind of stuff for some corporate um, consumer brands that Mm -hmm. people would see on their grocery shelves, drive by in a kind of strip mall, all that fun stuff. Um, My role at Mayo is somewhat connected to that. Um, So I sit within a group that's called planning services. It's basically the strategic decision-making um, group within Mayo. So we're not making the decisions, but we are providing information, research, reports, analysis that helps our executives make strategic decisions about the future of the organization. So before I joined, Mayo developed and created a 2030 plan. It was like, how what's gonna be important in a decade in healthcare, in hospitals, and what do we need to do to get there? The team that I joined was a principal creator kind of developer of that um, document and that kind of thinking. So Mm -hmm. I play one very small role in a group of people that is meant to help our organization think about the future, think about our competitors, think about how healthcare is changing, um, and what we should be doing in the near and long-term horizons to make us positioned to deliver the best care that we can for patients. So I would imagine that when everything is over here, you're going to have some adjustments to strategic planning oh, given what's going on. Yes. And and that's kind of where this partial furlough thing comes in. Like some of the work that needs to get get done right now by the team is like, how does our 2030 plan change? Yeah, Like that's stuff we need to think about now, because if we wait until September, we're either going to be way behind the ball or mm-hmm. we won't have taken advantage of the chaos and thinking differently that this kind of pandemic has p- placed us into. So right. um, that is kind of the example of the kind of work that is important um, and needs to continue in some fashion, but just not at the 100% kind of capacity that um 
that we would like it to be at right now. So right, right, right. yeah, and that's kind of the idea of the, the challenging part for us is how is on top of this being like a health crisis, it's also going to be an economic problem. Yeah. Like people are going to be unemployed without income. Some 35 plus million, 38 million people as of this last uh, few days yeah. don't have a job. Yeah. Um, right. So if you don't have a job, you're not going to go seek out healthcare. You're not going right. to go check on those symptoms that might be not painful, but annoying enough to, that you would normally go to. Like there are people that are going to opt not to seek healthcare and that's going to be right. a problem for them in right. the long term potentially. Mm-hmm. So our industry is going to be very different in the next two to three years. So mm-hmm. our ability to kind of wrap our heads around that is the kind of work that we're thinking about right now. So when people are eventually um, going back to work, and again, I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like being furloughed or laid off is a value judgment because we can't help it. Like there's nothing to be done. So this question is not to say like, how do you, how do you be more valuable? So you never get furloughed again. It doesn't have anything to do with that. But in going back and when people are returning to their jobs, um, what are ways that people can like get motivated again to start basically churning out work and ultimately revenue for their companies after being gone for so long and after feeling probably a lot of like different feelings of maybe anger, maybe resentment, maybe sadness, like maybe an identity crisis like some of my friends Mm -hmm. are having. What are ways that people can go back to work and, um, like bring value. Yeah, the cold part of my heart says you're back for a reason. You weren't laid off. Like they need you. You're valuable. Right. Yeah. Let's get to work. Yeah. This warmer part of my heart says don't worry about your boss. Worry about the clients or the people that benefit from your business. Yeah. Um, in my world, it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy for you too. Like you're trying to make people smile and joy, have a great time. My organization trying to make people make sure people are safe and healthy and can continue living wholesome lives. Yeah. If your company doesn't have an end person like that, like if you're in B2B sales for microchips, then that's probably a little bit harder to get behind. (laughs) But like you need to find somebody outside of yourself and outside of your um, immediate like work team, supervisor, boss, like think about somebody else in the process that you're helping, supporting, that you're, helping do their job better and that you can hold on to that a little bit better um, so that it doesn't, that you hopefully don't dwell on what had happened. Um, Right. But that's easier said than done. And it's going to be a, an involvement or some kind of, it's going to be an evolution, better word. It's going to be an evolution of how you come to terms with what happened and then hopefully kind of figure out what, uh, how you want to attack things in the future. But to that same degree, I think people also need to think about resilience. Like look at your company and see who didn't get furloughed, who didn't get laid off. Yeah. Do I want to do that kind of job? Maybe it's reinforcing. No, I really don't want to go into accounting. Not my thing. I know they, they were fine, but it's, that's not enough of an enticing idea for me to stick around, but there's likely some job function, some title, some department that was hurt or impacted less. And that might just be a thought experiment for you. It's like, could I do that? Would I be interested in that? Right. And if you found your life's passion, then in your previous role, then just go back at it with that same fervor you have. But 
to your point, I, there's a lot of people reconsidering how things might be different for them in the future and whether this is a chance to make a change. Yeah. Um, but not everybody's going to get there on their own place. Are you thinking about that? Is that something you think about? The, the thing that's different for me, I guess, is like I was not planning on staying in my current job after I graduate in two weeks. Mm-hmm. So I was already in the process of looking for other types of work. So this has just kind of given me so much time to go on LinkedIn, (laughs) just like really spending a lot of time looking for jobs. Um, But it has impacted like I have had um, probably five or six interviews that have Mm -hmm. led to them saying we 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 were told today that we that we can't move any further with this. Like Mm. we can't actually hire like it has happened many times that a company has just said like we're actually not having, we're not, this role, we're taking it out completely or we're not hiring right now. We'll, we'll get back to you at this time or whatever. And so it's kind of like shifting the kinds of jobs that I can apply for. I'm with you. Is there a part of your role at Disney that you're looking for in these other positions? Like, is there some aspect that you really enjoyed that you're trying to yeah. duplicate? Yeah, I love talking to people (laughs) like I love I like um the collaborative nature of my job and I like being able to sorry pause on that collaborative nature talk talk to me more about that like how would how do you collaborate if you went into the park on a given day so basically like first of all not to get too technical because it's kind of boring, but like if I'm meeting a guest, there's like three or four hosts in the room, right? And like mm-hmm. all we're all like trying to work together to like solve problems and tell stories, but without letting any of the guests know that we're trying to solve problems <laughs> or tell stories. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we have different like signals and like phrases or whatever sure, that like sure. we all have to be like on the same page. And if someone, if a guest, you know, is being creepy, like, and they're not Mm -hmm. being appropriate. And then Mm -hmm. someone has to step in. Like, I love that. I love being able to, um, and then we debrief, you know, and then like, Mm -hmm. oh, that was weird. And then we talk about it and we like figure out what to do better next time. I love that. And I also love the part of my job where I just get to talk to people. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that I don't have a lot of skills I've learned in my class right now. (laughs) Riley. No, Come I'm serious. On. We had to like we had to like list our core competencies and I was like, ooh. That's hard what? for anybody though. Let like like you being introspective about that and having trouble is not a uniquely Riley problem. So just yeah. pause there. Well, you're, you're right. But like it, it was a short list. But one thing that's hard for me to articulate, but I think I am good at it. <coughs> pardon me, and I've developed it in my role at Disney, is like talking to someone and pretty quickly assessing their vibe for a lack Mm. of a better word, like Mm -hmm. pretty quickly assessing like what they're looking for, not being like, you know, blind to different people's intentions and like the way that they work and like what their, what their desires are. Like it's pretty, I can do that pretty quickly. And I love like the quick natured, the the quick pace nature of the job, you know? Mm. Like just chatting with people and stuff. So something like when I'm applying for jobs, like for example, in news, 
that's that's super in line with the part of my job that's like talking to people, getting to know people, telling people stories, like doing mm-hmm. research, the quick thinking on my feet. That's that's super like in line with that. After hearing you talk about the collaboration, which I read is just like enjoying working in a team and like figuring things out as a team and then problem solving. I think the news media kind of genre fits you well. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's kind of, I won't go into this too much because like who, you know, no one really cares, but like the, the news thing, it's something that I've all, it's, it's like, been my day one like what I wanted to do and then I kind of got away from it because I just got nervous I think Mm. I think I just got scared that like I wasn't going to be good at it and um I just got scared and so now coming out of it you know a year and a half later like with my with my new degree and having some time to like reflect and think about it I love news I love I always have it's always been like really fun and I feel more equipped now than I did like when I graduated from undergrad to Mm. be able to like do a job and be a little bit more confident in it like there's a bit of imposter syndrome starting a new job no matter what yeah no I I was reading an article the past few days and it's like I think it's a they said it's a common symptom of intelligent or capable people that you have that imposter syndrome because you know enough that you don't know everything and so, like, that is what keeps you from giving that thing a shot. I'll echo that sentiment. I mean, I had been doing the same kind of function and role at my agencies in New York City for going on six, seven years. Yeah. And I was like, I need to pull the bandaid off because, like, I could be comfortable and, like, know what each day holds for me or I could try something new, yeah. um, which is what this kind of leap out here meant in my career trajectory. So you're dealing with the same problems that a lot of people have. This time has given me a lot of just like space to reflect on like what I actually want. Has, has it, has this time and like a furlough and whatever, has it, has it changed like your priorities or anything? Like, are you like feeling any type of way about that? I don't know that it's changed my priorities. It's probably sharpened that think that the type of organization that I'm a part of now is really valuable. And so I want to continue that. So it kind of reaffirms the choice I made. Yeah, Um, that's great. The idea of being far away from family and friends was something I was trying to remedy in my my last job hunt. And I got a thousand miles closer, but growing up in California and living on the East Coast for the past decade has been tricky. So in this world of working from home forever, like it made me think about like, all right, like, would I work from home in California starting in December if I could? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But like it's had me think about where I physically need to be or where I want to be in the near future. And the right. broader like career thing for me is like, how do I just have, and again, I'm in a pretty fortunate position. I am not living paycheck to paycheck right now. I live in a state that has very generous unemployment benefits and right. I have enough personal savings to where it's not a big deal. But like, if I need, like, what would career resilience look like for me? Like, how could I spin up another income, freelancing work? Like, what skills do I need to have to make a future headache like this not as unbearable? Right. Um, Which I think a lot of people are used to the idea, like, 
I've got one job and that's all I need. Yeah. It may not pay that great, but it's all I need. Whereas I think now's the time to say like one job, even if I work really hard at it, it may not be there for a month or two or three at a time. And that's such a good point. Having another thing to pull out of your pocket, another way to pull things together and have some career resilience is something that I've thought about. Um, so uh, Am I doing anything about it? Not really. <laughs> um, <laughs> thinking about it, though. <laughs> thinking about it. So, like, that, that's kind of something I'm considering in the next few months. Is like, all right, if I were to go through this process again, what would I have wanted to do? Or what can I get a head start on in terms of developing a skill or creating a network that allows me to do something that would make it not as painful as it certainly has been for a lot of people in our country? Um, yeah. So, it's a... Uh, that's the only thing that's kind of changed for me. What about you? Um, I guess kind of the same. I, I I think that's a really great point about people just like maybe thinking about side side hustles, you know, like just different ways to, like you said, diversify their income so that you're not just – I think a lot of people should be doing that. So good advice. Good advice there. Yeah, I've kind of been doing the same thing. I, I just think about like – um. For me, it's really helped me understand like money is not a, a huge priority for me in a job. Like mm-hmm. I, 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 that's really, it's like being here and being able to afford um, like my necessities off mm-hmm. of unemployment. It's like, okay, I really don't need, I don't need to be like prioritizing money. So like, do I want to prioritize like location? Do I want to prioritize the type of work? Like what's really exciting to me? And also just thinking about like, I don't know, even with the podcast, I've been spending a lot of time on my podcast and I finally reached like the listenership that would, that would qualify for um, ad revenue. Mm -hmm. And so I've been like looking into that and like doing a lot of like webinars. I've been like doing a lot of webinars with my hosting website, just like trying to figure that out and seeing what that could look like. Nothing Mm -hmm. like super major, but, um, I, yeah, I just, I think that it's really given me a different perspective about like, I don't want to be in a job that I don't like because like being here at home, it's made me appreciate like having a job that I like and being able to get out of the house and go do something that I feel like I'm contributing in some way. So that's been really good. Yeah. I just feel like I'm just thinking about different ways that I can like, I don't know, maybe monetize a podcast, maybe not. Like, maybe that's a source mm-hmm. of income, maybe it's not. Maybe I get a job that's not in Southern California. Do you think that it's going to affect relationships going back to work, like, between employers and employees or stuff like that? Like, do you think that people are going to hold grudges? I mean, who the, who the fuck is hold? oh, pardon me. Who the heck is holding a grudge? Like, this isn't anyone's <laughs> fault, but I'm hearing that from people. I... Again, your experience is unique in that the parks as a whole were shuttered. Um, The idea of um, certain departments at Disney corporate might have been more effective than others. So like for for you and your friends that are at the parks, like everybody's in the same boat. But if there were people that there was conscious decisions about things, about like, oh, I need that person because of their skill set. I need this person because of their relationships with X, Y, and Z. I need this person because they know how this process works. Like, that's where it gets really tricky and where I can empathize with the idea of 
people having these concerns that they were fairly or unfairly treated differently than others mm-hmm. in a very similar situation to themselves. Um, I would take that as a moment to reflect on yourself yeah. and not blame all the um, fault on your employer, your boss, your supervisor, and similarly not all of the fault on yourself. Like there need, you need to have a healthy balance between the two. Like, all right, I get why it wasn't valuable for me to be there, but I also realize that I can still do X, Y, and Z really well. And I need to either double down on that when I go back, or I need to figure out a place that makes that more readily or has more about values that more clearly. I'm not saying that people need to have this naive idea of like this job, this supervisor, this corporations really cares about me because there's a lot of places where that isn't true. Um, but hopefully you can learn something from the situation. I am not against like, there are people within our organization that were asking questions like, why did XYZ department have a X percent budget reduction while we had a two X that percent budget reduction? Yeah. And like, there's always going to be a level of comparison. Right. Um, the tricky part, and I mean, this just shows like how different each nuance is going to be, but like the tricky part that I see at our place at, at Mayo is that because Mayo is such a big employer in the state of Minnesota, but also just in the city that I live in, mm-hmm. um, we're a town of like 120 or 30,000 people and 20 to 30,000 people work at Mayo. Um, oh, wow. You're going to drive by, you're going to run into somebody at the grocery store. You're going to wave hello to somebody that was either furloughed or not furloughed. And like that comparison or that reality is going to be pushed in a lot of people's faces. Yeah. And I, I'm, I don't know that many people in town, so it's not that big of a deal for me, but people have like grown up, lived their whole life in Rochester, Minnesota and work for Mayo. And like, it's all yeah. that they know. Mm-hmm. And I get why they were going to be comparing themselves. Like it's just a weird dynamic that a small right. kind of company town involves. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think employers are equally worried about it. They're like, I think the good ones will have plans for how they reintegrate people. The good, the smart, intelligent, forward-thinking ones will will have let people know how they were furloughed in a relatively compassionate thoughtful way to begin with. Um, I think if you can zoom out of your organization and see like, all right, did they do things generally by the book or in a decent way for most people at the company, remove your personal instance from it, you'll hopefully learn something about the company that you were a part of. And if you like that, fantastic. Maybe cut them a little bit of slack. If you don't like what they did at a macro kind of overhaul level, Maybe that tells you something about what you want to look for in your next employer. Um, But it's not like the human condition is not going to allow for anybody or for every single person to kind of bury their feelings and come back to things, not having some self-doubt, some self-criticism, some level of um, judgment that they think their supervisor or boss laid upon themselves, laid on them. So, oh, and I think that just really like speaks to your point about 
trying to identify yourself in a manner that's not solely based on your role as and as an employee of a company, you know, like being yeah. able to like not limit yourself to feeling like this is the end all be all and I'm not valued at this company or whatever. And just being able to realize that there's a lot of different aspects to people and, you know, no one, no one feels good about this. I mean, I don't think that there's one employer in the world that like <laughs> is really digging on the fact that they had to furlough their people. Like, I don't think anyone's in that position. Yeah. Like God knows how many new dog parents there are now. Everybody's adopting a dog. It seems yeah. like lean into that. Like that, that yeah. can be your deal. Are you going to get a dog? Nah. You should get a dog. I could, but yeah, get a dog. What happens when we go back to whatever normal looks like, and this dog has serious separation anxiety? That seems like a well, nightmare. No, they'll be okay. Get like a, <laughs> get like a, get like a golden retriever or something that's like chill. Way too big for the house that I have. Sure, great. What is your advice to people in general that are furloughed? Or going to be furloughed. Advice. It could be literally advice about anything and all things. Okay. What do you say to those people? I'll give you my thoughts, but I want to hear what you say too. So prep your answer. My only thought is take whatever time you need to to process it, but yeah. make the best of it. Like again, that's not new advice. It's not original, but like you really need to use some of this kind of dark spell to figure out what's important to you, what you value, how you can game plan for if that ha this happens again in some cer different circumstance, like take something away from this experience that benefits you, not just the negative things. Right. Um, so if that means, oh, I really know that I want to go to a new job or I need a new, um, a new kind of career situation, great. If it's pick up a new hobby or a new pet or something mm -hmm. like that, then fantastic. You learn something else about yourself, but don't let the disaster and the chaos totally overwhelm you. Try and bring something from these past two months and Lord only knows how many more months ahead of us into the rest of your life forward. Um, but again, it's going to be different for different people. If you don't care about your career, then it's going to be something personal about yourself. It's going to be about some relationship that you build with a friend or a family member. It's going to be a newfound love for cooking or baking or something like that. But like, find something to bring with you that doesn't cloud this whole experience and solely negative emotion. I think that's great advice. That's what I would say too. I mean, really, like I would just, I would just echo that because I feel like the way I see it, the way I'm handling it is like nothing I can do about it. So I'm just going to can worry about the things that I can control. Like I can wake up, I can work out, I can apply for jobs, I can do my schoolwork and um, just taking advantage of this time because we will never – like this is so crazy, but like we're never going to have this much downtime again in our lives. Mm -hmm. Like once things go back, like we will never have this much leisure time. Like I mean I'm 100% furloughed, not fired. That's a hashtag now that I'm starting. <laughs> and so like I have quite a bit of leisure time, especially when school's over. I'll not like what I'm going to do with myself. But, you know, like hobbies and stuff, get a dog or whatever, start a podcast or whatever. Like I think it's I think it's a great time to just focus on yourself, but don't be self-indulgent. You know, no one likes that. But 
<laughs> just focus on yourself and like take care of yourself. I would just I would do that and I would just focus on like, you know, eventually this will end and then we're all going to go have to go back to work. And then we're going to work for the rest of our lives. But you that's know what the I mean? whole thing, Riley. Like maybe working for the rest of your lives is the thing that you take away from this. Like if your identity shifts, if you're like, you know what? Nah, not for me. I'm going to have this nine to five job. I'm going to like one thing about it and 99% of things I won't like about it, but it's a paycheck and every other part of your life grows from it away from work. Fantastic. Yeah, that's but true. Again, it's to each their own. I think you and I are cut from the same lineage of like, we want to do work. We want to kind of dive into stuff. We want to push ourselves and grow. And a lot totally. of that right now is done in your, your career. But yeah, that doesn't mean it has to be the case for everyone. So I hope you enjoyed that episode, WTF, What the Furlough. I don't know WTF happened to our ending. Like I know that Vinny and I recorded a little sign off, like a goodbye. But in the editing process, I'm not really sure what happened to it. So I will say goodbye for the both of us. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions, of course, you can always shoot me an email, rileyrcarroll at gmail.com. And if you have any questions for Vin, I would be more than happy to forward those to him. And I know that he would be happy to answer them for you. So thanks so much for listening, guys. I love you all, and I will see you next time on The Life of Riley.